Welcome back to our Weird History Minnesota, where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history. So tell me, Melissa, what are we talking about this week? What are we talking about this week? You're always so excited, and I like it. <laughs> I'm bouncing up and down in my seat, actually. <laughs> so, Because I, I never know what we're talking about, because you always make me leave it a surprise. Yep. Because I need those reactions. So... Today we are talking about one of, if not possibly, the most deadliest fashion fad in history. Is it the corset? No. Uh, feet wrapping? They're on the list, but this, this might be, I think, even more deadlier than the corset. Really heavy wigs? <laughs> no, not Georgian wigs. No. So, darn it. I- you're, you're, I was going to ask you if you wanted to take a guess and just, I'm going to give you some hints. So, but I want to know what springs to your mind when you think of Debbie's fashion fan. Did you just say springs to my mind? Mm-hmm. Oh God. Does this have to do with like springs in, in clothing, like the, in like uh, dresses and stuff? I already gave my three guesses and I don't know what this one's referring to. Well, I can give you another hoop. I mean, um, hint. It has to do with. Oh, you said hoop. You said hoop. You're talking about the hoop skirts, aren't you? Death by crinoline. I gave away the answer. That was the point. I tried to make it easy. I like how I guessed it off of spring having to do with the big hoop skirts. And then you were like, I don't know. I liked my hints. I thought they were funny. I wanted to continue with them. I like that joke. Shut up. (laughs) <laughs> well, I got it. I guess fourth guess is a good luck one. <laughs> so this mostly came to me while I was reading a book called Corsets and Cod Pieces by Karen Bowman, which I highly recommend. It is all about outrageous fashion fads from the Roman times to the modern times. And we're looking at the cover of it right now. In fact, it's so good. I recommend it to a couple coworkers. I'm just leaving it at work so they can read it. And she, one of them. I told her, I said, if you're bored, read chapter eight, which is what we're talking about. She's, yeah, I loved it. So I just started the book on it from like chapter one. I just kept reading. So I definitely recommend corsets and codpieces. So the crinoline skirt or death by crinoline is said to have killed thousands. And it is reported that at the very least between 1850 to 1860, these skirts killed up to 3000 women in just 10 years. I'm sorry. In a 10-year, 10 to 15-year period, it killed up to 3,000 people. Women, internationally. Well, of course, women, hoop skirts. And no one thought, this is a bad idea to keep wearing. Not the women. It's a fashion fad. There have been some outrageous, stupid, and interesting fashion fads throughout history. This one takes the cake by certainly being one of the most stupid don't you see the look on my face at the moment going, <laughs> I can't believe we continued to wear these after it killed several thousand people. I mean, you could say the same thing about corsets. I still, but, have- but, but corsets and on their own corsets are not so bad. If you lace them properly now, the corsets are uncomfortable. If, I mean, nowadays, if you get a quote corset, it's going to have spring loaded uh, steel rods in it or something along those lines or plastic boning so it makes it easier to bend over but if you get a traditional antique corset with whalebone it's incredibly hard 
to bend over to grab anything. And it can be moving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're not moving at all. And it's constricting. But a modern, quote, corset, or at least something with similar boning, is not anywhere near as restrictive. But Victorians took it to a whole new level with tight lacing, which is deadly. So that's a big difference. Once you started putting eyelets into the back corsets and lacing them that way, that's when you started making it deadly. The things we do for fashion slash beauty. Well, the Victorians kind of took that to the extreme with this one. (sighs) All right. (laughs) So crinoline is more of a material that came from France and it was typically created by a mix of linen and horse hair. And it was more of a cage-like device for all the skirts to sit on to sort of face them out from your body in a sense. So instead of being directly on you with several layers of skirts and petticoats, and now you've got a casing around them for them to drape over so that you have a little bit more airflow, I guess you could say. So it was introduced to England in the early 1850s by Frances Empress Eugenie. And being royalty, this, of course, quickly picked up in fashion, as most things tend to do. And it was very quickly criticized by the male population and very quickly picked up in fashion by the female population. And in 1875, a man named George Rutledge actually criticized them. They'd been around now this time for about 25 years, but we're starting have gone out of fashion by the early 1870s but some people were still holding on to them and he said as housemaids would bend down to clean the floors or outside steps their skirts would float off the floor exposing their lower bodies this led to many being harassed by males passing by yes he actually suggested that servants maids wear appropriate dress and leave this new trend at home for them to wear at their leisure and I've got a quote. Let me go look real quick because I gotta read you this. Eighty-nine. I'm scared to be more annoyed than I already am. <laughs> so this was from a Dundee newspaper reported on August fifteenth, eighteen sixty-two, and it says crinoline has gone on expanding year by year till it has reached today's preposterous dimensions. It's Postulation is useless. You may reason with a lady about the expense of fashion. You can appeal to her whether she finds the dress heavy and inconvenient and see how monstrous and indelicate it looks on others. You may point out how uncomfortable it is to walk by her side, that it precludes her from almost every rapid and graceful motion, stops her from moving in confined spaces, makes her a nuisance in an omnibus or a carriage, even on public streets. You may as well talk to a stone. AKA women can't be reasoned with. That's still perpetuated today. Yeah, but this is mostly the fashion trend, not so much women's intelligence. That's true, but that's still perpetuated even in fashion today. Oh yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're wearing. Some of it just doesn't make any sense, but I said most fashion friends are pretty, fashion fads are pretty outrageous and one form or another. Well, all you have to do is look at the the today runway shows. Yeah, but those aren't mainstream stuff that you can buy at, at Target. So that's not really so much of a I'm, thing. That's true. But a lot of people look to it as inspiration to 
to do things with their everyday normal clothes. Yeah, but you're not going to be some, you're not literally going to be seeing somebody wear a runway outfit and walking through the middle of a downtown area somewhere. Not likely. Not, not for casual wear at the very least. True, but you know, they, they do look to it for inspiration for different things. Sure. I mean, yeah. And men weren't also the only women. There we go with that one. Men weren't also the only people to criticize. There were definitely other women that would be criticizing these outfits, mostly in more of a practical sense. And one of them was actually Florence Nightingale. Keep going. That was pretty much it for Florence Nightingale. I don't really want to go into the rest of it. With oh. Florence, so, but yeah, it was pretty much interesting. If you want somebody relatively famous for a female who's going against all this preposterousness, Florence Nightingale is definitely going to be one who's admonishing this trend. There were even attempts by the male society to ban the use of crinoline skirts via the government, like actually passing bills to ban women from wearing these. And one of the men at one of these events was actually quoted as saying, at all events, if crinoline must be the fashion, then every lady should wear a fire screen or at least be attended by a maid with a fire extinguisher. And... You're wondering what fire has to do with it. It's the Victorian times, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But as I also mentioned, this was incredibly fashionable in the female portion of the society. So many women at this time took those criticisms and any other criticisms as an actual affront to their liberty. And what instead of listening to the literal reason, and seeing that maybe these skirts should not be quite this big. They said, no, you are constructing my liberties and I shall do what I want with these rather enormous skirts. And any job that says I shall not be able to wear these, I will not work there. Because there are jobs, there are plenty of jobs which would make sense not to wear one, such as when working in a factory. I'll get to that in a minute too. Ban them and women would wear them and women would die. And they chose, well, if I can't wear it to work, I just won't work. And uh, going with fire, crinoline specifically as a material is incredibly flammable. Yet most of this was made out of crinoline. There were actually, <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> there were um, uh, flame retardant materials at this time, which you could have used to make these materials. But would women wear them? No. Why? Because they thought they were ugly. Not safety, just pretty. <laughs> so, but it only gets worse from there. <laughs> so I said it started in the early 1850s, originally made of linen and horsehair, right? So by 1856, a metal version was created by W.S. Thompson in America. And with this actually became the inventions of drawers or undergarments in terms of wearing them underneath. And bloomers were also invented around this time. Drawers and bloomers are slightly different. Thank you, Amelia Bloomer, for inventing bloomers. <laughs> I love fashion. And the reason you really needed these is, as I mentioned before, previous fashions didn't cause skirts to billow out from underneath the ladies. So if you happen to bend down, these skirts is going to come over your head and tip up exposing anything underneath and of course if it was not covered properly it was incredibly indecent look up what a hoop skirt looks like to understand what we're talking oh, about. i have so many pictures for you to put up 
It's going to be insane. It's going to be so much fun. I'm not going to like you, am I? (laughs) And it actually is believed that Sheffield, which was a steel manufacturing city in England at the time, which was probably, I think, the biggest steel producing city uh, in England, was producing enough steel for up to half a million hoop skirts in a week, which shows the popularity of the hoop skirts in the 50s and 60s. That's a lot of steel just for fashion. But eventually the hoop skirt would kind of go by the wayside and wooden, and you ready for this one? Inflatable hoops were actually created as well. I didn't even know that. I loved it. (laughs) I didn't know inflatable hoops were a thing. Neither did I. Yeah. But Matt, okay. So I don't know if these were actually the thing, but I know that they were running jokes with some of the 90s comms where you had water bras. I know it was the thing in Will and Grace at one point too where there was a, a one joke, but you know, they were bras filled with water, kind of like a push-up bra, but to fill out. And if you punctured it, the kind of water leaked out and everything. I don't know, again, these were real, but similar kind of thing with these inflatable skirts. If somehow they got punctured, there goes the whole outfit. Now, the question would be, why did women choose to wear such cumbersome piece of fashion? Well, unlike the layers, of dresses and petticoats one would have to wear in previous generations and in the past, Quinlan hoop skirts were actually much cooler and lighter to wear because they separated the, I mean, sometimes I think up to 10 layers of dress wear. It was insane. I don't know why people wore so many layers. Why was that required? I don't know. I understand the petticoat and maybe an overdress and then a coat on top of that and some tights, but up to 10 layers in some cases, which is just, I don't understand. So wearing a literal cage that was strapped around your waist that bellowed out allowed the scoops to separate from the body, which certainly would make things cooler and lighter, but also far more dangerous. But before I get into how people died from crinoline, some of these skirts, now a lot of them were pretty outrageous, but on very, very few occasions, they became incredibly outrageous. Some of them up to six feet in length wide. Sorry, six. Well, feet. they would be able to keep their distance that we need to keep today. <laughs> six feet away. <laughs> please don't bring back Quinlan skirts just for social distancing. Yeah, please don't. Don't do that. As when, as we were discussing, this is a death trap. Well, it was a death trap in Victorian times. It would probably be a heat death trap right now because it's middle of summer and ungodly hot. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> but the size of these crinoline skirts also allowed women to smuggle things. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. I can smuggle something under my six foot wide skirt. No, it's literally a cage. In this case, usually the metal ones, it's a case. So it's lined much like a wicker basket. So you could attach things underneath and no one's really going to know. Although in some cases you could know. So this is actually used by a lot of Southern women in order to get contraband to their troops during blockades by the Northern soldiers. Which, you know, I mean, it's a way of working around things, just saying. So one of my sources says that one woman would able, she was able to conceal. Okay, this is insane. You ready for this? I mean, seriously, it's insane. 
a roll of army cloth, several pairs of cavalry boots, a roll of crimson flannel, packages of gilt braid and sewing silk, cans of preserved meat, and a bag of coffee. All for one single crossing. Uh, they must have had really strong bodies because, dear Lord, that's got to be heavy. Well, yeah, and you're also, again, it's the metal cage, so it's going to be sturdy, for sure, but certainly heavy. So add the extra weight of everything she carried across. Well, they're heavy enough already. You're probably wearing about 20 pounds worth of outerwear, and now you've got probably another 20 to 30 pounds of contraband underneath your skirt. Don't tell us that we're wistful little things. Dude, we're strong. And people walked back then. People get on me for walking the three miles I do to work just because I want to and I can. And most people can't walk five minutes to their cars. Not in this heat. No, I'm sorry. In this heat, I'm still taking the bus. But in general, people make fun of me for walking to work when they don't even like walking the five minutes from work to the parking lot. This is a time of no car. And you're not getting on a horse wearing this outfit for sure. That'd be uncomfortable for the horse too. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe if you were wearing the inflatable one, you could probably side saddle it and then inflate it later, but you'd all, it would be so awkward. <laughs> but because you can smuggle things under the skirt, you can also steal things too. So one story goes of Margaret Toole, who was 25, was arrested after leaving a draper's shop when the female merchant actually saw material hanging from below Margaret's skirt as she left the store. She very quickly found a policeman, had Margaret arrested, and at the police station, it was found that she had robbed nine black silk mantles and two colored silk dresses, all of which totaled seven pounds in the 1860s, which is roughly an equivalent of 100 pounds today or more or less $138, which was a crazy amount for the time. I mean, I think what most people were making shillings a day, nowhere near a pound a day. Oh, yeah. That's, so, like, a, that's like a year's worth of money or something. Yeah, a pound, pounds back in those days were not something that you made quite frequently. No, I mean, to give you a kind of context, think back to the 1920s and 30s where things were literally nickel and dime. And that's what you could afford because you were making cents a day. Cents, not dollars. Cents, yeah. A hamburger was 10 cents and a coffee was 5 cents, I think. So, you know, along those lines in the 1930s and 20s before even the Depression. So $138 in stolen goods and 1860s. That's probably at least a year's worth of money. Now, also, I have to show you this picture. Just give me a second. I've had to read this and I'll show you the picture. <laughs> Given the width of many of these skirts over time, because they started off relatively not so big and became excessively big, as I said, up, sometimes up to six feet in width, it became incredibly difficult for the women to move around. Victorian homes became smaller and smaller as cities became cramped. There was a lot of criticism saying that you could barely turn around in a house. There were no closet spaces because this crinoline took up all the closet space. And you couldn't go to a, a ball without women knocking into each other or men falling down. You couldn't go onto the streets or through the park with the same exact thing. And in fact, if you were at a party and you were there obviously with a gentleman, 
typically the gentleman also goes off and gets the food to drink. But in this instance, the men literally had to go get them because the women couldn't make it to the table because they were so far distanced away by the large skirts that in order to eat or even drink, men had to literally have ridiculously long spoons in which to serve the women their food and drink. I've got a picture. You ready for it? No. I don't know if I can. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, let's dance as well. (laughs) See how wide that skirt is? It's insane. I saw. All right. It took a minute for my brain to register. Great. This is another picture of the inflatable skirt being placed and pumped up. You see the maid at the bottom corner with her billow? Put over her head. You have to put them over the head first before you can dress the ladies. I know. I didn't have to say it looks like a cage. It's yeah, yeah, it's a cage. It's a little cage. And you can't move around in it. So now you're wondering how did women die from this? Well, aside from the many layers and heaviness of it, and it wasn't just women who died, I'll get into that. But it's mostly because of Victorian lack of safety and outrageous fashion trend of the time of massive hoop skirts. So almost all of death by crinoline typically comes from fire. As I said, crinoline is incredibly flammable. And if you look up safety hazards of the Victorian homes, there's a ton of them. And a lot of them have to do with a small space and fire. If you don't have arsenic in your wallpaper, you're likely going to have an electrical fire that's killing you, or you're going to have a fire from the fireplace catching other things on fire. There was a lot, a lot of fire-related death during the Victorian times. But now you're wearing a flammable material in massive quantities in a very small space with every room probably having a fireplace and probably no fire screen as well at that. So this is where it's going to go. So one incident is of a 14-year-old. She was a maid. Her name was Margaret Davy, And her death was actually reported in the Times on February 13, 1863. And apparently... She was standing on the fender of the fireplace to reach some spoons on the mantel place. So I guess she was a short 14-year-old. And her dress, unfortunately, caught fire. And she burned to death just in a matter of minutes and died of excessive burns, which you will see if you look through this up and read through my notes. It's an excessive amount. This is just a, a recurring trend. That same year, a 16-year-old named Emma Munson, she died when a burning piece of coke or coal rolled out of the fireplace, un- probably unbeknownst to her. She maybe was stoking it, turned around, and it rolled out and then caught her crinoline on fire. Again, a lot of lack of safety hazards here, too. All around. Everybody. What you think? Everybody. Hazards? What's that? I don't know if this is officially true, because I don't have a source as to where this report came from so i can't look it up it is in one of my sources but it there's supposedly a report that came out in 1864 or so after this fad started that stated over the last 14 years that at the least 
39,927 women around the world had died in crinoline-related fires. And they, that same report also said that there was an average of three crinoline-related deaths per week. Again, I don't have the factual information on that. I don't know where this report comes from. But that wouldn't surprise me, given that every woman wore crinoline. It wasn't just for the haughty, toity, high, you know, the, the, the high societies. It wasn't for the wealthy. It wasn't for the royalty only. Every woman of any age and every social status wore these crinoline hoop skirts because it's the Victorian times. Sewing machines had been invented. Mass production was a massive thing. So you can make these on a major scale. Everyone could afford one in one form or another. So every woman wore one because also if you didn't, you were looked down upon, of course. And also, as I said, there were flame retardant materials that you could have worn instead of the crinoline dresses or made them out of flame retardant materials. But the women thought they were ugly. And in fact, the outrage, I love this part. <laughs> I don't know why I love this. There was such an outrage against crinoline skirts, particularly post-Civil War. And I don't know if this also happened across the pond, but at the very least in America, some ministers were each were even preaching on Sundays that wearing because they didn't want them because the churches back then were also relatively small. So you're wearing a six foot dress or even a four foot wide dress. You're taking up two or three spaces within the wooden pew, and not everybody can sit down. So the men didn't like them. The churches didn't like them. The houses you like, you know, they were just taking up way too much space. So the ministers and preachers were preaching against this. And literally at one point, one of them says, wearing hoop skirts is akin to renouncing Christianity. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that for me <laughs> in that tone? <laughs> wearing hoop skirts is akin to renouncing Christianity. <laughs> Basically, you're a child of the devil. Well, they thought women were stupid anyway, so I guess this just adds to it. I mean, we did feed the fire, I guess. Literally, feed the fire. (laughs) (laughs) There were a couple instances, however, though rare, that the size of these dresses and the materials actually saved lives. This one's crazy. This one is crazy. So just a handful of these stories. But there is one where a woman had jumped from a bridge in order to commit suicide. But due to the size and lightweightness of her skirts, she sort of sailed down to the river instead of plummeting or falling to the river. So she was saved by her dress. Although, mind you, she's wearing many layers. So once she hit the water, if she wasn't rescued within just minutes, she was going to drown from the weight of everything. Which is why, to be honest, throughout most of history, that's how a lot of people drowned. It's not so much that they didn't know how to swim, which was kind of true, but it's the weight of the materials they're wearing. I mean, even in medieval times, you didn't wear a whole lot, but it was all made of wool. And wool is very heavy when it gets wet. And you will drown very quickly, even if you don't know how to swim. Even if you do know how to swim, wool is crazy heavy when it's wet. But thankfully, this this, uh, tale of this woman who jumped off the bridge and literally Mary Poppins flew down to the water. because the wind kind of blew her down, was uh, thankfully safely rescued by people nearby who saw what happened. Now, as I said, men hated this fashion. 
Now, many of them just protested it or tried to get the government to ban it, but some took it literally into their own hands to take it literally into their own hands. Because women mostly ignore these protests, which drove some men just crazy. So there was one William Huntington, who was a merchant, and at one point decided he was just going to cut away at these dresses. And so he assaulted two ladies' dresses in Princess Park, and then went on assaulting another lady, elderly lady's dress, just cutting up their dresses. And at the same time, explaining these hoops, these hoops, I cannot tolerate them. Yes, he was arrested. What do you think his sentence was? Short-lived. Acquitted. Exactly. Which, at the time of the announcement of his acquittal, there were loud cheers from all the men in the courtroom supporting what he did. Again, not shocking. No. But as I said, death by crinoline wasn't just only by fire. It was pretty much anything they could get stuck on. And as I said, a lot of these women worked in factories. So you're, which is why they were banned. I mean, it's sensible to ban them. So as a phase safety hazard, at the very least, one of the very few safety hazards Victorian manufacturing actually had, but women would defy that and still wear them. And just like occasionally having your long hair get caught up in things, if you're not paying attention, because you should not be wearing your hair down during around machinery in the first place. Yeah, these hoops got stuck. And the women got stuck in the unfortunately died. I don't want to get very gruesome into that one. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't just be factory cocks. They could get caught up in the wheels of carriages or by horses or anything you could think of. And there was one incident in the book about a lady from Bath, which is in England, in case anyone doesn't know. And her dress, unbeknownst to her, she was standing on near the street talking to some friends. Her dress, unbeknownst to her, was caught by the wheels of a passing carriage. And then she was dragged along the street. These are cobblestone streets to the horrors of the passersby. And by the time that things settled down, both of her legs were broken. Oh, yeah. I'm like curling in on myself right now. Yeah. From that. Yeah. Oh, no. And the next one's worse. I'm sorry. Why? Why are you doing this to me? Um, because I, it's it's a way to show you how crimson skirts don't just affect the women; it affects You're the awful. men. I gotta be equal here. Come on. All right, I'm prepped. Go. <laughs> so as I said, the the skirts kind of literally pushed people away. You had to figure out how to maneuver around them if you weren't wearing one. And it was not also uncommon for men to die by literally death by crinoline because it would all be accidental. So there is one account of a man who was in a busy street, walking down a busy street, who sidestepped the path of a woman due to her massive skirt, fell in the street, was then run over by a cart, which crushed his legs, and he died. Oh, ouch. Yep. So it's not just by the users. It's also accidental. Yeah, no. Let's never go back. I, I, I won't regale you with the tales of animals underneath skirts and stuff. I'm not you telling know you about I have them. a cat. You're doing this on purpose. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to tell you about them. I was going to say it's animals. You could have just not said anything, but you decided to torture me a little bit. I didn't say the animals died. 
Some did. On, on exactly. You're horrible. I'm just saying. Death by Quinlan affected anything and everyone around you. But in my source notes, you can read about how sometimes things would get, like dogs would try to like just play around and somehow they get caught underneath these skirts and crazy things like that. And then, yeah, just imagine wearing a big hoop skirt and your, your kid's new puppy is trying to play around and it gets stuck underneath your skirt. That's actually kind of cute, funny. What? I didn't see the dog died. You just lift up the skirt and it runs out. There was one tale about bunnies too. Stop. <laughs> okay. Evil. <laughs> Not the Kremlin skirts, although those were evil too. You are evil. I didn't what? say they died. I just said it was weird. Hence the segment. Yes, I, I felt you leading up to one, a story of one dying though. I know how you work. I didn't write one down. Sure, you did it. I didn't. It's in my source notes, though. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I, I, I literally have one more bullet point left on my notes, and it has nothing to do with animals. Okay, fine. Finish. <laughs> All I was going to say is eventually this fad faded out, so it lasted about 20, 25 years. So, again, we came in in the early 1850s. By the 1870s, it kind of really sort of faded out things were getting smaller in terms of scoops in terms of skirt sizes but not too long after that by the 1880s or so what are there what what are dresses really having massive bustles massive massive so instead of all around now you just have it out back hold on before we go before we go i have to show you the horse bustle it's not actually called that but that's what most people refer to it as because it's so insane in terms of the, the, the back of it, it made you look like a horse. Again, fashion, Victorian fashion. But bustles also began to fall out of favor by the beginning of the 1900s, but would also come back with Edwardian fashion in the 1910s prior to women actually chopping off their dresses for the most part come the 1920s. And really hasn't come back much since. Thank God. Well, I mean, the skirts of the 50s were pretty big, but it wasn't so much hoop skirts as they were just massive pleated poodle skirts, I guess. That's that, That's true. They weren't six feet wide at the very least and made of metal. Fashion's gone other ways during the 1900s, just not out. That's a whole episode if we want to do it, but I'm, I don't know if I can survive through an entire episode on that. Well, this book has some very fantastic fashion, outrageous fashion fads throughout history, and I cannot recommend this book anymore. Again, most of my research came from the book Corsets and Cod Pieces by Karen Bowman. Absolutely check it out. Oh, boy. Well, that'll do for this (laughs) mini-sode of the the History Explains It All mini-sodes. I'm done. (laughs) she's laughing too hard at my reactions to finish the outro i got more crazy pictures i can show you no (laughs) i'm good victorian fashion at its absolute finest oh lord
gonna hang up before we even finish the outro. But so that'll do for this ex- this episode, and we hope to see you next week. We'll have a full episode for all of you. <laughs> Yay! Yay! See you next time as we check through history to explain it all. <laughs> Bye. Bye.